You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Locum Associate Minister, Megan Curlis-Gibson. I think you've seen a few things about me uh, in the um, printed notice sheet that Andy put together. We had a little chat. and um, So I'm uh, a chaplain at Ivanhoe Girls Grammar in Ivanhoe, no surprise. And uh, I'm married to Phil and I've got an eight-year-old, well, almost eight-year-old daughter called Phoebe. Uh, last night was, was good. She went out to uh, a gymnastics play play night and Phil and I got to go out for dinner and we um, went to a boy named Sue in St Andrews which is a bit of a favourite of ours and others. Um, And as I was uh, uh, thinking about this sermon and uh, Phil went to pay, you know, it's both of our money but you like to pretend, Um, but I, I was waiting outside and there was quite a line and uh I realised, as I do what I usually do when I wait, no reception on my phone. What am I going to do? How am I going to wait when I can't... <laughs> you know, I mean, this is what you do when you, when you, if, if you're going out to dinner with someone and they have to go to the bathroom, out comes the phone. Um, uh, yeah, because you don't carry a book with you. Um, and, and I thought, what do I do now? I'll just sort of go into standby mode, like sort of power down for a bit. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> and then, zoop. okay. But waiting is kind of hard. Uh, that situation, uh, well, the stakes were extremely low. Nothing was really going on. But you and I in our world that is quite uh, distracted and full of things that we can do, uh, when we don't have something ready to go, when we are waiting, when we can't get something immediately, it's hard. We feel it. And of course, as the stakes get higher, uh, the pain probably becomes more legitimate. You know, if you're waiting for results, uh, you're waiting for, um, you know, if you're waiting for VCE results, uni results, if you're waiting for medical results, these things can really weigh on us as we wait. As a Christian, the stakes to me seem very high as we wait for the return of Jesus Christ. This is a core foundational belief and something that is throughout the whole New Testament. And yet, We're here, you and I, experiencing almost the same life as that person next to us who doesn't believe that Jesus is coming back. And you and I are waiting and we're trying to tell them that there's something more and we don't see it. And it weighs heavy. And the stakes are high because... This is the core of what we believe, that Jesus was raised and ascended to heaven and will come back again. And that is the hope that we have. And yet, well, my daughter said it best. 
We were listening to uh, Colin Buchanan, of course, um, Christian uh, kids singer, if you don't know him. And uh, he's got a new song, uh, and, it, and it's called Jesus the Game Changer. And one of the lines in Jesus the Game Changer is, history has made it plain that Jesus changed the game. History has made it plain that Jesus changed the game. And we're listening to this, uh, and Phoebe says, well, sort of. And uh, I'm like, wow, you're young to be disagreeing with Colin. I mean, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, not everybody believes in Jesus. And so for her, um, it's not plain. I'm telling her and Phil's telling her and, you know, her church friends and stuff, uh, Jesus has changed the game. And she says, well, history has not made it plain to everybody in the world that Jesus has changed the game. And I said, yeah, I understand that. I said, history will make it plain that Jesus has changed the game, but it's hard now. And so I come to this passage in 1 Peter and uh, I kind of, I'm both encouraged and challenged because this is their life. They're waiting. And the question is, has Jesus changed the game? Because they do not see him. And yet they are asked to put their hope in him. Peter is a great encouragement to me because he is happy in a way to say to them, yes, I saw him, but you don't see him. And that does not disqualify you. So let's move into thinking about that now. Um, For those that would say, and you don't... um, We don't have it up on the screen, so you might want to have a look on page 980, I think it was. It would be useful to have your Bibles open um, or, you know, if you have one of these things. That's me doing phone. Um, Verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For them, the stakes were really high. Suffering came into their life because of their choice to wait for Jesus. So we know that probably around this time, uh, things were starting to heat up in terms of the persecution and exclusion of Christians from social structures, uh, from families, and violence uh, and jailing, etc., Uh, were starting to increase. There was worse to come, and and we would see that in the next couple of centuries, really. And so for a group of people who were willing to endure this and yet who did not see the object of their faith that was setting them apart, that was bringing this suffering to them, they needed to know Was this waiting okay? Was this waiting part of it? Was was this unexpected? Was this something that uh, should make them wonder? 
was Jesus actually coming back? And I, I find that hard when I'm um, doing my work at school. I find that hard that I am trying to tell people about something that is a game changer and it's not always all that plain and that I'm living this life that's waiting and it seems to be invisible. And so I have really wrestled with this passage this week. Had a little chat slash cry to God about <laughs> what it, you know, this, this kind of uh, tension. And so here's what I've come to that Peter, I think, tells us about waiting. First of all, I think he says that waiting is uh, an expected and purposeful part of life with God, and it always has been. So if you were here last week and you heard Sam speak, uh, he talked about uh, how... uh, We have an identity as Christians, as exiles and elect, chosen and exiles. And both of those identities have as part of them, as core to them, integral, expected, as part of them, waiting. So someone who is chosen, we think about Abraham right at the beginning, this kind of quintessential chosen person of God. He's not chosen by God and then just given all that God has promised him. He's chosen by God to make this journey, waiting, waiting, waiting. And even more that, yes, he has a son, but the promises that God has said to him, that he's going to have as many as stars in the sky and sand on the seashore, etc., waiting. Part of what it meant for him to be chosen was to experience the waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises. Similarly, the identity as someone who is an exile has within it waiting. You are uh, outside of your homeland and your whole heart is that you will return to the land that is your home. So we look at Isaiah 40, for example, that's what, um, and John the Baptist takes on those words for himself, that's, that's what they're talking about, that there is a highway that the exiles who've been waiting and longing to be able to go home can now go there. Waiting is part of both being chosen and an exile. Uh, And so, of course, Peter is really familiar with these as a Jewish Christian, these images, uh, but he brings in a new one for us in verse 3. And you're like, good, she's got to the passage. Excellent. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The idea of new birth, and that will be repeated all through Peter's letter, and um, I'm sure we'll unpack it even more then, uh, and receiving an inheritance, you and I know, have, has waiting as a part of it. Now, I would love to think that I will be able to leave Phoebe an inheritance, um, 
at the moment, I'm still loving to think that that might be the case. Um, something will change. I will save money one day. But, but when a child is born, we do not immediately lavish upon it its inheritance for it to buy, you know, a thousand beanie boos uh, or, or as a teenager, you know, to spend it all on credits for, I don't know, Fortnite or maybe teenagers don't play Fortnite, or younger, whatever. We wait. We wait, and the child knows that it's part of its role in waiting for the inheritance is to grow and mature, to become someone who is able to steward that inheritance, to use it in the, the manner to which it really was saved for them. I once um, ordered a coffee machine off eBay, and it was an awesome price, like ridiculously good, too good. I, I, I just, you know, it was one of those, this is going to be so cool, this is amazing, I can't believe it's like half the price. And then I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And as each day slash week went past, well, I had to come to the conclusion that it weren't coming. I got my money back from PayPal, et cetera, et cetera. That's okay. But when the followers of Jesus wait, and a week goes past, and a month goes past, and a year goes past, and decades and millennia go past, and you and I are waiting, Peter would say, this is not a sign that it is not going to happen that what you are hoping for will not arrive. This is not a surprise. This is part of what it means to be a follower of God, to have discipleship built into you. Waiting is there. It always has been. It's expected and it's purposeful. So when we look at verses 6 and 7... We see, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. So, not only is waiting expected, but waiting and the suffering that comes with it, the feeling that you and I have of being that sort of odd one out and wishing we could just make it so clear to people that what we have based our lives on is not <laughs> invisible. This has a purpose. He says, it is to make your faith more pure and beautiful, just like uh, gold refined in a fire. And it also, you having faith that uh, perseveres through waiting and trial, brings glory to Jesus, more glory at the end of time. 
it's expected, it's purposeful, and it's going to be worth it. So that coffee machine was going to be great, didn't exist. This is an inheritance that will be worth it. This is not what, you know, your auntie says, oh, you're going to receive that lamp because you said that really nice thing about it that one time. And you're like, well, that's going to be great. <laughs> this is not an inheritance like uh, uh, Jake Peralta received in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, if you've ever uh, watched that show. Let's see if we can get to that clip now. Attention, everyone. Say goodbye to the Jake Peralta you know and love. For today is the day I forever change. Ooh, are you finally growing a mustache? No, you know I can't do that, and it's cruel of you to keep bringing it up. This envelope contains the inheritance my uncle left me. He died a year ago. He was so rich, he had a whole room in his house just to eat in. You mean like a dining room? Yeah, but in Manhattan. Oh, dang. Now, just because I'm definitely rich now doesn't mean I'm going to forget my roots. You all get something, so fire away. Jake, your friendship is gift enough for me. Friendship is crap. I want a Ducati Monster A21. All right, Rosa gets a motorcycle. Oh, cool. I want a fast sports car. Come on, you could be honest. I want old, expensive books. I'll send you a list. There you go. Now, let's find out what I'm worth. Uh, I'm too nervous to open it. Sarge, you do it. OK. It's stock. One million shares! Oh my god! A blockbuster video stock. Oh, that's What? Is that bad? I still have a blockbuster card. What happened to blockbuster? We can sometimes feel like the inheritance that we as Christians are holding out for is kind of... It's old, and maybe it's past its use-by date. You know, that is kind of what our society is telling us often. But here, we see that that couldn't be further from the truth. Not like Jake's blockbuster shares that are really worth nothing now in this age of Netflix and whatever. Uh, this inheritance can never perish, spoil or fade. It's untouched by death. It is unstained by evil. It is unimpaired by time. The, the kind of poetic nature of that is what's actually in, in, in the, the Greek. Um, and I can't read that to you. So I said untouched, unstained, and unimpaired. This inheritance is so rich it is a treasure just like jesus said this is you store up your treasure in heaven where moth cannot eat and rust cannot destroy this is that and it is so great that it actually can bring you unspeakable joy even though it is invisible and you are waiting It is a living hope. When Peter writes of a living hope, he's, he's both saying that it's a hope that changes how we live, which is what faith is, really, a belief in something that changes how you live. But it is more than that. It is a hope that contrasts with the dead-end hopes of the rest 
of the world, of all philosophy. The Greeks, uh, the philosophers who thought about life and enjoyed kind of, you know, the highest of thinking and the virtues and all of that concluded that really death was the end and it was so awful that they sat in despair and said it would have been better not to have been born. The world with hope that only sits for this life brings us into a smaller and smaller room that you and I are just trying to stick posters on the wall, really, that we're just distracting ourselves, that we're trying to make it nice and, and even loving in there but an inheritance that is kept for us in the salvation through Jesus Christ, that opens up vistas like you wouldn't believe. Like I, I went up to uh, Yarrambat, up Ironbark Road, uh, this morning. And you, you just sit on top of that ridge and look out, or in Kangaroo Ground, Panton Hill. You know, this is... You feel your soul lifting. This is what a living hope is, not with walls around you just closing in, closing in, waiting for the end. But instead, opening up this vastness of life. Well, this inheritance, this vastness, this richness of salvation that I can live with the creator God forever, that I can know him and walk with him even when there is trial, suffering, is not, it's not a leap in the dark. And so if you want to go to that last slide for me. Thank you. Yeah. We don't wait in the dark. We wait with evidence. And I think that's what uh, 10 verses 10 to 12 are about. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. We might be waiting, but we are actually living in the fulfillment of so much of what has already been promised. The prophets, those who wrote the Old Testament, uh, the First Testament, I heard a little boy call it this morning, which was awesome. Um, the prophets who wrote and who said, God is going to bring nations to your light, Israel. There's going to be a feast and there's going to be free food and wine. Come and eat. The, God, the, the prophets who said, um, you know, there's a suffering servant and uh, he's, you know, he's going to take on himself your iniquities. This we don't wait for. In fact, we have, we have so much more than those who were waiting in the past. We have so much fulfillment already. And so Peter would say, you are actually, even though you feel like you're waiting and you're sitting in this invisible space, 
you are privileged. You are those on whom the end of ages has, has come. You're living in the fulfillment of so much of what even angels at that time longed to look into. There is, there is evidence for your waiting and your hope. And of course, there is the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter, we know, denied Jesus three times. And I cannot help but think that a man who was left in that state could not possibly have moved to the to the rock that would write this letter and that would uh, go to his death as a martyr without a real experience of the resurrected Christ. He was done. And it was only because the living Jesus restored him and he knew that no matter how long he had to wait, the future was assured. He had seen it in Jesus, the risen one. The new creation had broken in already in the one that restored him and had fish with him on the beach. When you have a certainty in your future, then you can experience the present so differently. I don't know if you've uh, ever been in a, in a job that you don't uh, enjoy. It happens even in my industry. Uh, or maybe a subject that you really didn't like in year 11. And you uh, decided that you were not going to do that for units three and four. Or with the job, you decide you're going to start looking around for a new job. The job that you have not enjoyed, felt trapped, you were felt, you know, each day was a burden. And yet, as soon as you make that choice to start looking around, hmm, things feel a little different. You put a job application in. You get an interview. You go back to the same work as you had before, but because you know this is coming, ah, you might feel a little more free just to speak, maybe, your truth to your boss or co-workers in love. The burden is lifted a little. Okay, you get offered the job. You've signed a contract. The way in which you now approach your old job, you've got a, you know, whatever it is, notice period of two months, but the way in which you wait now is totally different. You're free. You're not trapped. You have something vast in front of you. You have a hope that is certain. This is you and I. We wait, we do, in this world that looks so much like how it might have done before we believed. And yet now everything has changed. We can go through suffering. We can wait because we have a living hope that's based on evidence. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, 
johnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash johnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.